the wonderful world of technology. <laughs> a little problem with our internet. Hopefully it will resolve itself. You know the first thing they ask you to do, right, when you call tech support? Is you try turning it off and back on again. That's what we just did. It just took us a while to get it back on again. So hopefully we're good to go. It's great to be gathered together in the house of the Lord together. And uh, it's been uh, a little bit of a whirlwind when you add in some tech problems and coming from another church. But here we are. So let's open our service in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be gathered together today. And we do thank you for technology that allows this message to go beyond these four walls. And Father, that other people also can be blessed with the word of God and with the worship and the praise that we lift to you. So Father, help us to set aside everything else that's been on our hearts and minds and help us to just truly focus on you in this time. We ask for your blessing over this service and that your spirit would be here present amongst us and speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 96, verses 1 to 6. In response of reading, you'll read the part in yellow. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. First hymn this morning is number 225 in your hymnals. Come Christians, join to sing.
Well, we had a very successful strawberry social on Tuesday night. Thank you to Summer and everybody else who took part in it. It was a great time. We had, I think it was around 73, 74 people that came. Counting kids, it was 78. Awesome. And so we have some pictures from our lovely meal together with a bunch of the people that were there enjoying one another's company and that were working. We had a fantastic team that helped out too. And uh, it was a great night for everybody. And uh, <laughs> Joan may have posed for that picture, but it was great, nonetheless. For our birthdays and anniversaries, uh, happy anniversary this week to Jeff and Debbie and uh, July 1st. And that's wonderful and great to have you guys with us this morning, too. So we got back together for Bible study. Now we have to postpone it again. Uh, I've been having issues with my shoulders, and so the doctor uh, has given me an appointment on, of course, Thursday morning, right? So um, we will be postponing that. Our final Bible study will happen on Thursday, July 6th at 10 o'clock, and then afterwards, we're all going to go out, and we will all be out to lunch. Um, so <laughs> we're going to enjoy that together. Uh, we haven't yet established as to where we're going for lunch, so uh, those who are part of our Bible study group, um, come up with some ideas, please. That would be wonderful. For our sending two kids to Camp Anida, we are doing way beyond two kids. We have a new total of $1,405. So yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, that's almost enough to send one kid to, Camp, to Muskoka Woods, just in case you're curious for comparison. Almost, not quite. This afternoon at Camp Anida, uh, there will be an open house at 3 o'clock, and everyone is invited to come out. That is where we have our commissioning for our firm staff, and it's a time for people to tour the grounds if they would like, and Seth and I will be there, and so you're cordially invited to join us at Camp Oneida. That's today. Today. Yeah. Uh, August 19th, remember, is our Deer Creek Day, and so you are invited to come out and enjoy the beauty of Deer Creek, and uh, Scott and Brenda have a campsite as well, so that's another place where you'll be able to hang out on that day. And so bring your friends and enjoy the day, uh, whether you want to come fishing or swimming or just sitting around and visiting, you're more than welcome. August 27th, I will be away, and it's a fellowship Sunday with a vacations theme. And so if you have pictures of your vacations, please send them to Serena or uh, just come and bring your photo album of your vacations, and uh, I will hear all about it later. So that'll be a great time. And remember, of course, that uh, part of what we do is we seek to build the kingdom through obedience to God as he has called us to give back to him a part of that which he has blessed us with. So let's take a moment now and pray for the tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have blessed us in so many ways. And so we ask that you would take our tithes and our offerings, our sacrifice, as an act of worship to you. Please bless them, Father, and use them for the building of your kingdom, Father, that you may be known and that hearts may be turned to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Next hymn is Wonderful Words of Life, number 406 in your hymnal. Please stand.
So as we come to our time of praying together, since I mentioned my shoulders, you should probably want to know what's happening, but uh, I've just been having a lot of pain in across the front of my right shoulder and sometimes across the front of my left, and so I uh, just wanted to check it out and see if there's anything that can be done for it or whether I'll just, you know, have to come in with no arms next week. So. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that whether it'll be physio or what they'll do for it, I'm sure there'll be something. So nothing too serious. Uh, just when I try and reach up sometimes, it's a bit of an issue. It's like, here, that's about all I got. So. Nobody can probably relate to that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Old age Scott says, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Just because you're right doesn't make it nice. <laughs> As we continue to pray for our friends and family, uh, wanted to just give us an opportunity to share together today. Is there anything that you would like to share with your church family, either needs that we have around us or any praise items that you'd like to share today? If you didn't hear that, Teresa's granddaughter's car, the steering went on it, uh, but uh, so Teresa prayed about it, and good news, it's covered under warranty, so there you go, wonderful, that's good. Thank you, Marlene. Absolutely, yeah. So if you didn't hear that, Elsie uh, uh, Kraft is looking for another apartment. She doesn't need the level of care that they had when Lyle was still with her. And so uh, we'll be praying that she finds something either in Burlington or Guelph, close to one of her kids, right? So that's, that's a, a big thing for sure. Well, there are many things that we carry. There are joys and sorrows that we have. Uh, some that are either too private to share or some that are either maybe seem too meaning, uh, too minimal for us, but everything is important to the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today. And we are grateful for your care and for your provision. Father, we thank you for the things that have been raised for us today that you hear those and that your family of faith is willing to share those so that we can pray for one another so we can lift up the needs that are around us so father we do that today we also carry our own things that are are deep in our hearts we have the names that we continue to pray for and ask for healing for week for week we have the churches, our sister churches, that we pray for week by week. 
And so, Father, we unite our hearts, but we come individually. And in this time of silence, Father, we lift our prayers to you. Father, we know that you always hear our prayers. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Next hymn is Trust and Obey, number 571 in your hymnal.
this morning is 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, today we're taking a little bit of a departure from where we've been going. We've been working through the Gospel of Matthew, and some of you are probably thinking, finally, today is the last day when we're going to wrap up Matthew after starting way back in September. Surprise! No, we're not. So last week I mentioned how a friend of mine had passed away. Uh, the son of a friend of mine, I knew the father and the, the son. And this week I can tell you that it was actually our former executive minister, Tim McCoy's son, Nathan McCoy, that passed away. And um, it's been heavy on my heart. I haven't, I didn't know Nathan all that well. Um, Tim and I were friends, of course. And today I wanted to talk about Nathan. Let me back up a little bit first, though. This was that assembly uh, where we saw Tim McCoy, and it was great to see him. The time I had, last time I had seen him before assembly, Tim, he seemed to be carrying the weight of the CBOQ. Uh, this is normal Tim with this joy that he has, that he radiates. But he had carried this weight, and it was so nice to see at assembly how this weight had lifted, how happy he was. And I went to his farewell dinner as a member of the board. I was invited to that. And at this farewell dinner, Tim was talking about how he had moved to the Maritimes and Nathan was out there too, and how they had started some building projects, and they were looking at possibly building a house together. And Tim looked at Nathan and smiled at him, and Nathan looked up to him and smiled. And I, I watched the whole thing, and it's just emblazoned in my mind. Because it was only a few days after that that I heard that Nathan had taken his own life. Man in his early 20s. So hard. And as I thought about Nathan, it made me think of another Nathan that we knew. Nathan Bass. And Nathan, oh gosh, I shouldn't have looked at my wife. <laughs> I made it just fine through Eden, probably because you weren't there. <laughs> Nathan Bax was the sweetheart of the church. 
this is what he looked like all the time. He was just this super cute kid and uh, happy. And when he came into the room, he lit up the room. When he smiled, everybody smiled. And unfortunately, he got cancer. And we watched as he turned, as he turned more gray every week until finally he passed away. And it's tough. It's so hard when we lose somebody we love. And we all have our Nathans. Maybe their name isn't really Nathan, but it's somebody close to us, somebody we have loved and has meant a lot to us, and we've had to say goodbye to them. Now I carry with me the other losses in my own life. My grandparents, um, my husband Art, my father-in-law, my mom, my dad, um, school friend, James, at 41 with pancreatic cancer. My friend Andrea, who is only a little bit older, and we used to play super friends together, you know, Superman and Batman, all those guys, and she was Supergirl because she was blonde, right? Um, saying goodbye to her at a very young age. My cousins Larry and Marilyn that you remember possibly that had pancreatic cancer and passed away within just around a year away from each other. Uh, their sister-in-law, Martha. My Aunt Nancy and her husband, Uncle Ross, their father. Friends and members of our church that we hold near and dear. As a pastor, you would think that, you know, funerals should just be no problem, just a slice of cake to me, right? Real easy, because it's something that I do, but actually funerals are very difficult for me. I don't just grieve my own losses. I am very empathetic and so I feel what others feel around me. I grieve with them when they're hurting. And when somebody passes, sometimes well-meaning people will, will say things to try and somehow make it all better. I think that words of compassion and care are important at those times. But I just think it's also really important to avoid empty platitudes. Sometimes people will say things like, time heals all wounds. It's not true. We turn to God, God can heal our wounds. Or how about this one? One day you'll get over it. The reality is you never get over it. You adjust. Or how about they're in a better place? Well, what happens if they're not a believer? It's all for the best. How does that one even help? Or how about it's all part of God's plan? Well, God is in control, yes. And he ultimately decides what can happen or not. But that doesn't negate the reality that the devil is allowed to work in this world until Jesus returns. He wreaks havoc, he causes destruction, and he leaves people devastated. Aren't you glad you came to church with such a cheery message today? Don't walk out yet. There is hope. The devastation does remind me of the story of Job. You know, Job was the most righteous man in the ancient world at the time. And he was so righteous that God blessed him and made him a wealthy man. In those days, your wealth was in your livestock. And you probably remember this story. But one day, Job is at home and a servant comes in and says, Raiders came down and they wiped out a whole bunch of your livestock. They took it all away. 
and this and killed all your servants. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. Then this servant is just finishing saying that another servant comes running in, and he says, the rest of us gone too. All of those servants. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And if that weren't enough, in a blink of an eye, his entire wealth is gone, and another servant comes in. And if there's part of Job's story where you may not believe that it's true, it's got to be this part for me. Because apparently all his children liked each other and got along. <laughs> but tragically, the eldest son was having a party for all of them. They're all together in the house. And a storm came in and collapsed the house and killed them all. And the servant was the only one who had escaped to tell Job. It's awful news. What do we do in the face of all of that? Well, if that wasn't enough, the next day, Job breaks out and all of these painful, itchy boils all over his body and he sits in the dust and ashes and scrapes himself with broken pieces of pottery to try and get some relief. There was one person that was left, his wife. What does she say to him? Why don't you just curse God and die? Gee, thanks, honey. What a tragic, sad story. Sometimes when we face difficult losses, there are no words. Sometimes when somebody else faces difficult losses, there are no words. And sometimes the best thing that we can do when someone is in deep grief is just to show up and to shut up, to be present and say nothing. That's what Job's three friends did. They came, and for the, an entire week, they just sat with him while he mourned. If you know the story, you know that's the best part of what they did. You know, it's hard when we lose somebody. But that was in the Old Testament. That was in the old times. Since then, an incredible thing has happened. Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived. He died. He rose again, and he opened the way to heaven for all of us who trust in him. And so the passing of a Christian is actually a day of celebration. It's a day of homecoming. It's a time when we gather to celebrate their life and the impact that it had on each one of us. <coughs> you know, it's a good thing to be reminded of. Uh, Summer, we had our book club, and in this book that Summer picked up for us, it was this reminder that sometimes, instead of thinking about why have we lost this person, we should be Rejoicing in the fact that we got to spend time with that person. You know, that God allowed our lives to intersect. This is a good part in the book. We also can rejoice that those who have suffered are now free from their suffering. And they're in the presence of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember when my mom was in Kingston Hospital and, and she was dying. She had ovarian cancer. Uh, but it had spread, and we were called to come in and see her. And there was a moment where I was alone with her. Uh, my brothers and dad were off by themselves, and I, I wanted to talk about the end, but I didn't want to talk about how close it was. And so I said to her, I said, so, you know, when, when the time comes, you know, years from now, she kind of grinned at me, and I grinned at her. I said, I don't want to hear a whole lot of hooting and hollering and carrying on from up there, you know. 
And she smiled at me. She said, are you kidding me? It is going to be such a celebration. It's going to be such a, a reunion. I'm going to be able to see Victor, her firstborn, who only lived a year and a half. I'm going to be able to see my parents again. I'm going to be able to see others. And she mentioned these other people in the family who, whom she loved, who trusted in Christ, and how much of a party and celebration that would be. In a similar way, when my father knew his time was short, he had a condition that uh, came on a blood condition that was either often from either having radiation or chemotherapy. He'd had neither. He had still had this blood disorder. In the last summer that we had together, we were sitting up at the cottage on the veranda, and, I, and he said to me, you know, he says, I'm not scared of dying. He says, I know where I'm going. I trust in Jesus, and, you know, I'll get to be able to see your mom and others. He says, I just don't want to have to suffer. And God was gracious, and he didn't. Not everyone is that fortunate. But even though we know this is a celebration, their loss still carries a sting for us. Even if we know that they're in his care, even if we know that they entrusted their life to Jesus, heaven's gain is also their gain, but it's still our loss. And it can leave us with mixed emotions. And we miss them. And for those who had to struggle through illness in that process, we grieve at what they went through. We grieve at the brokenness and the illness in our world. Sickness and disease that ravages and takes away our loved ones. So when you shed tears, know that your Father cares for you. Find comfort in the words of Psalm 34, 18, which remind us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you grieve, know that your Heavenly Father cares for you. When you grieve, do something I've tried to do. Reach out to others who know that person. Ask them to share stories again. That can be such a source of comfort. Losing someone we love is difficult. There is simply no question about that. And we should not seek to minimize or rationalize or justify tragedy in such a loss, but still we can have hope. We can have hope because despite the havoc that Satan can wreak upon this world and upon the souls that are in it, God is still in control, and God will have the final say. And we can especially have hope if we and our loved ones have trusted in Jesus Christ for he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I'm going to turn and read a passage that was read at Lyle's service. The Second Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to follow along. I'm going to start at verse 16. And I know you're used to having a lovely PowerPoint that gives you all of this stuff on screen. Today we're doing it differently. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 16. This is encouragement to us who trust in Christ. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
Does it feel like your body maybe sometimes is outwardly wasting away? Anybody got some spare shoulders they can give to me? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, the body, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal, this, may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. For those who are at the service, I apologize, this is going to sound a little bit redundant. But I want to share with you as well what I shared at Lyle's service. This is the picture that they had for Lyle's obituary and for his bulletin. And to me, this is quintessential Lyle. He's got that wonderful, gentle smile. And you can see how he's looking up. And whenever I think of Lyle, he was always, to me, looking up. So many people in this world aren't looking up. They are actually in danger of giving up. Because when we look around us, we may have concerns about our economy about how people treat one another, about how our government handles things, about the fragility of our world itself. And the list goes on. And all of this can make a person feel like giving up. On top of that, difficult challenges come our way, don't they? Financial challenges, physical health challenges, mental health challenges, relational challenges, school stress, job stress. And the list goes on. All of this can make a person feel like giving up. And then we add to all of that the looming specter of death. It comes for all of us. It's inescapable and inevitable. This may seem like it's all too much to handle, too much to bear. And some people in the dark of the night in the center of their fears, wonder if maybe it's true that life sucks and then you die. It can make you feel hopeless. It can make you feel like giving up. But without Jesus, the problems are too many for us to handle. Our flaws are too deeply entrenched to fix. Our leaders are too remote to be able to change them. Our world too big to properly care for. Without Jesus, it's a scary, sad, awful place without hope. 
Some are overwhelmed by all the darkness around them, and even inside them. Some choose their own way out like Nathan did. When I was a teenager, I was so frustrated by my own besetting sin, and there were times that a darkness settled over me. Instead of living the life of victory and holiness that I wanted to, I felt like a failure. I was frustrated and I felt hopeless. I was angry with myself and I felt like giving up. Some people say that suicide is the most selfish thing that you can do. Perhaps. But understand that it's difficult to try and just rationalize away suicidal thoughts. A suicidal person is not thinking normally, trust me, I was there. It's a dark place of the mind where only dark thoughts dwell. When I was a teenager, I would often either take the TTC or ride my bike around and rode my bike quite a bit around Scarborough. And I remember distinctly, still to this day, coming down a very steep hill and thinking in the middle of one of those dark phases that I could just smash myself into the back of the bus and be done. I did not think about how it would affect others in my family. You see, the darkness lies to you and says things like no one cares for you or that you are a burden that others would be better off without. But it's a tool of the devil. Some people say that suicide is the unforgivable sin, but I'm here to tell you that the Bible does not say that. There is only one unforgivable sin that is mentioned, and that's blasphemy, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. When despair causes someone to take their own life, that doesn't mean that they stop believing that Jesus died for their sins. It does not mean that they have, haven't trusted him as their Savior and Lord. One of the things that actually appealed to me in that moment of darkness was the fact that I would be free from sin. I would be free from brokenness. One of the things that saved me was a little boy 10 years younger than me. It was fear of my little brother finding me and what that would do to him. I am grateful to this day that I did not follow through. I grieve the despair and darkness of those that have taken their own life like Nathan. But we should not condemn them. But instead we need to show them grace and compassion. None of us really know everything that goes on in another person's heart and mind. And let me say to you today that if you are wrestling with suicidal thoughts, may you be able to hear this through the darkness, that you are loved. Fight against the darkness. Tell someone you can trust. Get help. Stop and think about how it impacts those that, that love you and those that you love. If you know of somebody that's struggling with suicidal thoughts or even are unusually sad or unusually angry, reach out to them. Love them and take time to listen to them. Be gentle and compassionate with them. Try to point them in the help, in the direction of the help that they need and pray like crazy. But finally, recognize that their life is not yours to save. It is not up to you. Their life is in their own hands. And that decision rests on them alone. 
I didn't know Nathan McCoy well enough to know what it was that drove him to this place, to choose to end his own life. I don't know what lies the darkness spoke to him. But I do know that where he spends his eternity is left in the hands of God, who is just. Let's go back to Lyle. Get a little lighter, shall we? I'm sure that Lyle had his own concerns in life. But most of the time when I saw him, he had this easygoing smile on his face. He didn't seem to be dragged down by all of the difficulties and the challenges that he went through. Even when he was lying in a hospital bed in Guelph, when he didn't necessarily know who people were, Elsie said, the pastor's here to see you. And he looked up and he said, with that smile, and then he said, it's nice to see you. Lyle always seemed to be interested in others, and he had a kindness that quietly shone in him, and he seemed to have a contentment about him and about life. Instead of giving up, it seemed like he was always looking up, and you could see it in his smile. Why did Lyle have that smile? I'm convinced it was there because he trusted in something beyond himself, in someone beyond himself. Lyle trusted in God. Trusting in God means that there's someone you can turn to when your problems are too big to handle or when they're too many to deal with because God has the power to bring about change. Lyle learned to turn to prayer, not despair. In the Bible it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And it tells us that when we do so, we entrust our worries and fears and concerns to God and put them in his capable hands. And what we get in exchange is this, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The incredible news is that we get God's peace and we trust him with it all. It's a peace that comes from knowing, not just about God, but knowing God himself. Our good powerful and merciful Heavenly Father. It's a peace that is found when we submit our lives to Him. It's found when we follow Him. It's a peace that is found knowing that the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So no matter what happens in our life, even at the very end, we can have peace and confidence in the faithfulness of God. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. These are the words of Scripture. No matter what happens, we can always keep looking up. And real deep and lasting peace can be ours. A peace that is so good. God also brings meaningful hope. In ancient times, a man wrote in the Psalms, he said, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? In ancient times, up in the mountains was a place where pagans would worship. They would worship created things. They would worship the things that they saw. That's where they looked to for help. Idols made by their own hands. Stars in the sky. Today, sometimes when we look up and around us, we see mountains of overwhelming concern and seemingly impossible difficulties. Dark and foreboding and haunting us frightened by these things, 
People turn to the work of their hands, or what they can see, the object of creation. In a futile attempt to try and rescue themselves, that's where people often place their hope, that those things can never provide the hope we look for. And so the psalmist shares, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This help is for our present circumstances, but it's also a hope for the life to come. No matter how bad things may seem around us, by the challenges that we face personally, God can work inside each one of us to make us new. And Jesus has set it up for us this incredible celebration that when we leave this place, we go and join him there. An incredible, massive party in the life to come. It, you know, our time in this life, even if you live a very long life, is a blink of the eye in comparison with eternity. And the things that concern us now will vanish in the dust of history. But God's promises to us and the hope that he offers will never fade away. These bodies that we have, as Paul wrote about, will break down and decay, but they will be replaced with something better. Something that never breaks down. See, when we have these new bodies, we will be provided for by God for all of our needs. This is the hope that we have. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am also. This hope remains for us as well, that for all who trust in Jesus, whether it is the day when he comes back at the end of time, or whether it's the end of our own lives, he will take us to be with him. Which means that we don't have to fear death. Not even death itself. I know that Lyle shared that hope, and I believe that hope was part of what was behind his smile. Lyle also had joy. And that joy was different than the joy we find in this world. In this world, we put joy in things that are fleeting. We enjoy them for a little while, and then it fades away. King David wrote about the kind of joy that we seek. As he wrote Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which means he is the one who guides, protects, and provides for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. In other words, he looks, looks after my needs, body and soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will direct my steps because he wants me to reflect him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is more powerful than anything, and he watches over me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He welcomes me, regardless of those who oppose me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He chooses me as his own, and he provides abundantly. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will always be good and gracious towards me, eventually welcoming me home to be with him. What an incredible source of joy for each one of us. This is the same promise for each of you. And I think this kind of joy was what was behind Bob's smile. As I said the other day, I say for each one of us, I know one other thing. I know that Lyle would want the legacy of his smile to be carried on in each one of you. Not in a forced or contrived kind of way, but genuinely from knowing Jesus Christ as he did. It's the kind of smile that comes from someone who looks up to Jesus and experiences the peace and hope and joy that he has. If you would like this today, if you want to experience the hope and peace and joy that Lyle did, it begins with a simple choice to stop doing things your own way. To give up putting your hope in those created things and instead turn to our Creator, God Himself. To trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. To follow Him with your heart and soul. Instead of giving up, we need to be looking up. Not to the mountains of our trouble, but further up to God Himself where we will find our hope and peace and joy and the good things that our Father wants to give us, which will put a smile on our face that everyone will remember. A smile as you saw on the Nathans, as you see in Lyle. May we also be filled with the joy of one day being reunited with our friends and loved ones who have also trusted in Jesus Christ and seeing their smiles again, too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we do not need to fear death. Father, I recognize that today may be a tender message for some people, but I pray that you would give them encouragement, comfort, that they would know the hope and the joy and the peace that is found in you and be never taken away. May we look forward to the party of being reunited with our loved ones who have gone before us, all of the faithful. May this bring us a joy that no one can take away. May this bring us a smile that makes a difference, lights up a room, and no one forgets. In Jesus' name. Our final hymn together today is number 665, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. A great reminder of what this is all about. Please stand as we sing.
We all have our Nathan. Somebody who we hold close. Maybe many who we hold close. And may you today be comforted. May you be encouraged. May you look forward to the day when we meet again and have that amazing celebration in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so go from this time in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.